Hello, hello, hello again. Welcome back, everybody. This is the No More Leadership BS podcast. I am Jeff Geoff McLaughlin with Professionals at Play, along with my amazing cohort of consiglieries. I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that word out there because it sounded like a really fun one. Uh, spell it. I can't spell that. I was a kindergarten <laughs> teacher. I can spell three-letter words and some fancy four-letter words. So we have Jeff Geyer with Phoenix Coaching, Jeff Conroy with Conroy Leadership, Myra Hall with Waypoint Coaching, and Dr. <laughs> Sam Jennings, the good doctor, always in the house with us with 360 Coaching. And we like to bring a lot of fun and adventure and excitement to our podcasts. And today I wanted to take a slight tangent, still talking about leadership, but changing the focus just a little bit. I wanted to talk with you about your physical health. I know it seems a little silly, but your physical health as how it relates to your leadership journey and where you are and what you can possibly do. So I was looking up some very interesting facts. Uh, I happen to be very much into the physical fitness world. I've been in CrossFit for a number of years. I practiced jujitsu. I was a collegiate athlete. Uh, I like to do a lot of things in the outdoor world. Uh, so physical health is really, really important to me in my journey. And I got to thinking, well, wait a minute, what are the statistics? What happens with leadership, right? With leadership, oftentimes there's a lot of stress. It feels like we're doing things alone. And that stress level, and I don't want to say the rugged individualism of being a leader has a negative effect, but it can in that we get so busy trying to take care of everybody else that we actually sometimes forget to take care of ourselves. So here's the thing is that sometimes when we're so focused on the organization and everybody else that we oftentimes forget about ourselves. And that means our physical health, mental health, just our overall general wellness. And then there's some pretty dire consequences. Uh, I didn't know if you know this, but the number one killer in the United States is heart disease. And there's anywhere from 800,000 to 1.25 million people every single year that die from heart disease. And Oftentimes, the number one indicator is a massive heart attack. And so I was going to talk to you all about, I know it seems silly, but the the fact that your physical health helps with your leadership skills and how can we tie those things together? I know that we were having some conversations before we started the podcast. So Miss Myra, I wanted to, to talk to you first because we beforehand, we started talking about how do you get better at things? how do you improve and how do you measure those things? So what was your theory? You brought it up early before the podcast, before we started in the, in the green room. What was your theory on that? And how can we possibly tie that to, to leadership and your physical health? Well, that's, that's an exciting subject to me because nobody starts out perfect. There is no overnight success. And I'm planning on doing an episode in here in the future, just into that a little deeper. But our success and our failure comes from small steps. What What is the, one of the most famous sayings about how do you go bankrupt? A little bit at a time and, and then all of a sudden. And that's the same way your physical health gets out of whack. A little bit at a time and then all of a sudden. Whether it is a weight problem or a art problem, if you will, there's the stress problem that all work together. They all work together to take us down a path that, that we don't even realize because it's, it gets hard to pull ourselves back out of that. And it, it is literally a little bit at a time. Anybody that says, I'm going to get healthy in the next month, 
or tells you they can make you healthy in the next month is probably lying to you. Yeah. Probably want to get in your pocket um, because there's one way to success and that's a little bit at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's those little incremental steps in either direction that have a big impact on everything realistically. Yeah. So how about this? Let me see here. Let's go with uh, Dr. Sam Jennings. I know that you worked in the collegiate world for a long time, higher education, which let's face it, I remember college. I went in as a college athlete and I came out about 40 pounds heavier with some some major, not major health issues, but definitely some, I was heading towards a really negative path due to my, what I considered fun activities in college. Can you give us kind of your perspective on what that shift is like and why does that happen in college? How can you maintain your physical health through the collegiate years? I don't know if that's an, an area of your expertise, but you are a good doctor. So I figured you'd have some opinions on it. The good doctor who knows the Heimlich on a good day. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to make this correlation between what's considered the freshman 15 and leadership. And so I'm going to go on a bit of a journey here. When students are 17, 18, they graduate high school, they go off to college. Typically, they're on their own for the first time. And so their ability to self-regulate a lot of things hasn't developed yet because typically there's been a parent or other caring adult who's said, here's the boundaries. And I'm going to make sure you don't smack into the guardrails along the way. Or in some cases, like some of our high school athletes, and I was one, there's a physical movement all day, whether it's practice or the game itself, sometimes two a day, that kind of thing. So you can eat like it's your job and not get a pound, right? Because you're just so active. Those habits get formed and you go to college and just change those habits, but you stop moving. So you start getting a little more packed on. Oh gosh, yes, I had a little bit of this experience of alcohol in high school, but now, hey, hey, it's kind of everywhere and easier mm -hmm. to get to and everybody's, quote, unquote, everybody's doing it. So you go out and do those things that, that don't help your body at all. So the correlation is that there isn't somebody there to say, this is the guideline. It's out there. People know it, but also it's going to explore a little bit. So what's the relationship to leadership? Folks who are in leadership positions or even new to them are expected to speak to and with the folks they serve, which just makes sense, which sometimes means you do, you know, like when in Rome, you do as a Roman. So in hired in particular, they like to have snacks. And I'm sure this is true in other, you know, company spaces. If you are a new president in a university and you're going to meet and greets, they're going to have snacks every place because they want to impress the president with, strangely, the same exact catering menu that everybody else has. They do it anyway. So <laughs> as a new leader, you can't say, effectively, rather, you can't say no thank you to the food. So every time you go to a new meeting, you got to have a little nibble, right? Otherwise, it's seen as not socially appropriate. So new leaders can actually physically gain a little bit of weight just trying to be connecting with the folks they're working with. And so mm. as leaders, you're still in charge of what you ingest and you're also in charge of what you think through. So even though there's a new schema, new set of rules, new set of boundaries, it's important as leaders to know who you are, what you stand for, what you're willing to do and not do, and be true to that. There'll be some days, right? Hiccups and blurbs along the way. But for the most part, if you can keep your behavior within your own confines, then your leadership would be higher quality than if you just follow everybody else's lead and kind of go on a meandering path. It's like that statement was. Well, I like it, but that's the thing is that new schema part. Like when you get that sense of freedom or you don't have the guide rails anymore, it's easy to fall off the tracks. 
which is shameless plug for coaching of all sorts. Hello, you have to have somebody there to kind of help you guide your path, your journey. If you can't see the map, you don't know where you're going. How are you going to know when you got there? You got to have the destination, the journey in mind, where you're going and how are you going to get there and plan for it. Because a lot of people, I think, don't actually plan for, we got the Super Bowl coming up. What am I going to do for the Super Bowl when there's an entire table full of snacks that probably aren't good for me? What are going to be my best options? How am I going to take care of myself so that I feel good afterwards, after the San Francisco 49ers have won the Super Bowl? You're welcome, Mr. Conroy. Yeah, baby. Thank you. (laughs) So, Mr. Conroy, I, I know that you work in like your current profession, working with large medical groups. Yeah. And seeing that thing. I know that I've got a number of family members that are in the medical industry and the stress alone of providing services for people, for helping try and take care of people who are not doing well, like that has a a consequence on your body. Could you kind of tell me about how that physical and mental aspect, because I know you work a lot with the people and you're like building up the community and being really supportive of them. How does that affect how people do their job? I don't know if that's a good question or... No, I get the idea of what you're saying. First and foremost, to, I don't know who said, I think it was Myra, who said earlier, yesterday, February 2nd, was National Wear Red Day in recognition of women's cardiovascular health, the number one killer of women. So I hope everybody wore their red yesterday. And so talking about health in the the industry, I've I've also worked in the the poverty sector. And I, I truly believe that you cannot work within those populations without somehow taking on some of their ills. And so in the medical world and in the poverty world, mental health is very much stressed, but also physical health. For me personally, I'm going to brag as of this morning, I'm down 43 pounds. So because I kind of subscribe to the, if you can't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of other people? And I think a lot of people have that idea. Now going from the poverty realm into the medical realm, it's a totally different world. They eat dark chocolate for God's sake. Come on, Who eats dark chocolate? But what's funny is that the medical world, there's always snacks available. The break rooms always have food. They always have food, and but they're always healthy snacks, so it's kind of boring. But they are constantly, down 43 pounds, I don't partake. But they are, <laughs> talking about mental health is a daily reminder. They're, they're always talking about take care of your mental health. We, in fact, just got telehealth, so that now includes mental health. They talk about weight loss a lot because weight loss, the way you feel about your body and the way you feel projects to the patients as they come in. So it's uh, really important that you take care of your mind and your body to create amazing patient experience because that's what we're here for is to create something to improve health of our patients. Yeah. And it's very interesting because it really is true that how you feel physically will help how you feel mentally. Yeah. Yeah. So well, like it's confidence, right? Yeah. How you feel literally has sometimes I, I've always been said dress to impress which most of the time I'm in shorts and a t-shirt because you're not trying to impress anybody. Thank you. Yeah. My CrossFit coach. I don't know. But that how you feel physically kind of helps with how you feel mentally. And if you feel better, oh my gosh, I went on a walk today. I can do stuff. Sure. Or I went and worked out this morning. I, yeah, cool. If nothing else goes right today, at least I got a good workout in. Right. can dictate how you feel about yourself. Which and it's really hard. It's really hard to talk to your patients if you're not exiting that. Yeah, my mom always said, I, if you're pointing a finger at somebody, you get three more pointing at you. So if if you're going to talk to someone about mental health or physical health, you should be doing something about it yourself. I very yes, I very much remember the the collegiate. I was in college and I was smoking a lot and drinking a lot at the time. 
and waited for just like a regular health checkup. And I remember the, the doctor telling me not to smoke and then literally watching him go outside and have a cigarette. Do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. And I went, oh, okay, cool. So he's doing it. I can do it. He's a doctor. He knows stuff. Yeah. Mr. Geyer, I wanted to talk to you about your leadership journey and specifically that that health piece and how it affects how we had a conversation where you said that you were so busy taking care of everybody else that you forgot that you were a part of everybody. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. It's painful and I don't like to talk about it necessarily, but I, I thought I was on pretty good physical health and we could do a whole episode on the connection between physical and mental health, right? But I thought I was exercising all the time at work by doing things like jumping to conclusions and flying off the handle and that kind of stuff. I thought that was exercise enough. And of course, it's not. And that's supposed to be a little tongue in cheek. But how many leaders, in fact, I know we got people listening to us now that they're in that spot this moment. And you hit it, I think, Jeff, early on in it. I'm a little concerned that it comes across about a shameless plug, but it is not one. When you find yourself in that spot, and I happen to think it's part of the 80-20 rule that 80% of the leaders in our country, and maybe even now I'm overgeneralizing, maybe even around the world, fall into these traps because we're all different, but we're all human beings. So there's lots of similarities too, but you need some help. If you find yourself like I did, in this spot that, God, I just don't feel that good. And foundationally or, or intellectually, I knew that 15 cups of coffee a day and no water other than what was in the coffee and no nothing to eat other than maybe a maple bar or one little peanut butter cracker or some crazy thing. And, and that's all the nutrition you had all day. Can't figure out how come you don't feel well. Well, mm. so like I said, intellectually, I, I think we all know, or certainly I knew that this isn't good, but didn't know how to get out of that position. And the reason for that is you can't use the same thinking that got you into your current situation to get to a different situation. Exactly. And it's just yeah. really difficult when you're working 15 or 16 or 18 hours a day and you don't feel that good and you're stressed and maybe things are going great at work and the, the company's prospering and stuff, but you feel like you're stagnant or going the wrong way. It's really hard to find the your way out of there without having someone else help you. And it has to be somebody you know and trust. And that that is not shameless. It's a plug for coaching. Call us a coach, call us a mentor, call us a friend, call us whatever you want, but you need somebody to help you find your way out of that. Because Although it did raise my blood pressure to jump to conclusions and fly off the handle and those kind of things, it's not healthy. And you don't want to have that trailing indicator of a heart attack to tell you you need to do something different. Yeah. Right? You yeah. need some leading indicators, right? 15 cups of coffee and nothing else to eat or drink that day, that's a pretty good indicator. Yep. Yeah. And how you feel like that heart palpitation where you're like, you get like that blood pressure up and you can feel it. You're oh, like, yeah. oh. This is not good. Yeah. In the neck. Yeah. It's, it, that's an indicator of like massive amounts of stress, which is not necessarily good for you. And you yeah, gotta and I, I, um, one of the goofy things I, I smile at it now. I, I worked in healthcare leadership for a number of years. And if I was having a particularly challenging day or, or just came out of a particularly challenging meeting or interaction with a, an employee or a physician or a, even a, a patient or something, 
I would grab one of the nurses and say, well, not not actually grab her, but ask her, do you, do you have a couple of minutes you could take my blood pressure? And every time I did that, which in hindsight was probably once every other week or maybe even off more often than that, stressful. And I was so I was thinking, okay, this is probably not a good situation. I, I should check to make sure it's going. And I, I won the genetic lottery as it relates to blood pressure. And and my blood pressure was always good. So I thought, well, I'm dealing with this great. Look at my blood pressure. This is nothing. Well, yeah, but dude, you're still drinking 15 cups of coffee today and eating one maple bar and calling that nutrition. You're still flying off the handle. You're still jumping to conclusions just because your blood pressure was good. Oh, so great. You're not going to have a stroke, but you may have a heart attack or you may lose your family or you may, right? There's all kinds of other things that could happen. So yeah, I had great blood pressure, still do, but that doesn't mean I was taking care of my physical self. Yeah. Well, you hit on a bunch of things there, like what you eat, what you put into your body, all vitally important. And don't get me wrong. We're all having a cup of coffee as we record this. Okay. I like the tradition of it. I like the smell of it. I love coffee and it does provide a little bit, but I'm not like my wife who loves, loves, loves coffee, needs coffee. Honestly, I kind of prefer different things. And actually one of that kind of leads into one of the things that we have had the opportunity to try is, is magic mind. And honestly, I love it because I can read all the ingredients. So I actually know what I'm ingesting and I love the effects of it. So Generally, I take like my little shot of Magic Mind in the morning before I even have a coffee, actually. And I notice that I get about three to four hours of more work, more focus and clarity during those times. So I don't know about you. I'm kind of digging the Magic Mind thing right now. It's pretty awesome. I like the flavor as well. It's good. Oh, absolutely, Jeff. And we didn't have that thing back when I was jumping to conclusions. But yeah, that little one, I don't know, I, I call it a shot of this citrusy elixir is really, really good. It tastes good to me. And I take it and it lasts me, golly, a good six or eight hours. I just feel better. I can't tell you that I went from a 30% in in terms of my clarity in what I'm doing or thinking about to, to 90%, but doggone it, I just feel better. And like you said, it's all natural ingredients and I can take it down in one swallow and go about my day. And then when I stop and think, man, this stuff is working. I feel more energetic. I feel more alive, I guess is the way to say it. I don't feel like I'm struggling, like I'm trudging uphill with in muddy boots or something. It, it, Yeah, the stuff works. Magic mind. Yeah. And by the way, if you are one of our listeners, we do have a special going with us. If you go to www.magicmind.com. And you put in the code N as in nummy, M as in must, L, B, S, that's leadership BS, 20, N-M-L-B-S, 20. You can get a nice little discount off on your very first order. And I think that stays true for quite a while. So yeah, give it a shot and yeah, see what you think. So, but that's like for your mind, what nutritional things, I, I'm a big fan of nutrition and how what you eat is what you like like fuels, literally the fuel for your body. And so we've talked a little bit about snacks, but what can you do when you're that stressed out leader to really try and prepare for that? Myra, what do you, what do you got? Well, it's interesting that you asked that particular question because we are, we are our body, our mind, our spirit. We're all one, one, three parts of a whole. And what you do with one, you're going to do with the rest of them. It just, it, it's good to affect all the way around. 
And I work with women who are are trying to make the transition through midlife without losing their mind and their family and their jobs and everything else. So one of the things they struggle with the most is putting on weight. It just happens. When you go into your midlife, you get big around the middle if you're not careful. So what does that do? That affects their how they think about themselves. It affects their self-image. It affects how they show up for other people so many times. So one of the things that that we start with, it's not necessarily overeating. A lot of it has to do with hormones and that kind of stuff. But when they can make a discipline of walking even five minutes a day, small disciplines, it doesn't just affect their weight or their shape. It affects how they feel about themselves. And when they gain self-esteem, they gain self-love, if you will, then they see that that this is all part of it. The small steps may affect how you look and how you feel, but it also affects your mental health. So discipline is so much a part of that. Small, doesn't that be big disciplines? Mm-hmm. Just small disciplines that grow over time. And you come out stronger. You come out looking better. But the whole thing is you come out like the person in the mirror instead of hiding from him. Yeah, it's true. Well, you mentioned discipline. I think uh, I love, I think it's Mike Tyson had the quote that discipline is doing something you hate and acting like you love it. And I was like, oh, so like exercise, because he didn't exercise, but damn, the guy was a freaking specimen, right? And a stone cold murderer in the boxing ring. Like the guy could just like... Some of my favorite knockouts of all time, Mike Tyson. But that discipline part comes into play with everything. If you're disciplined in your life in general, you are going to have more success because when things fall off the rails, it's easier to get back on. And let's face it, we're humans. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall off the rails every now and then. But how quickly you can get back on and get going in the right direction again is an indicator of success. We talked about how do you measure that success? Well, physically, it's easy. Do your, does your blood pressure go down? Do your, your blood sugars level out? Are you losing weight? Are you feeling like, oh, I can breathe easier. Oh, I can actually walk from the end of my block home. Now I can walk all the way around the block. I can actually hike up a hill now. There are indicators that say I am actually getting physically stronger. That's a good thing. Those are small indicators that help you out on your journey. I think when people hear discipline, I think it's easy to jump to a, uh, a drill sergeant or somebody who's already appears like they've already got it all figured out. And the discipline of change is to pick one thing you think you can do. So for example, let's use the easiest thing in American culture is weight loss to, to talk about. And so they can say, I'm cutting out all sweets. I'm cutting out all crops. Okay. That's a method. Or perhaps when you get your dinner plate of food, use a slightly smaller plate and just go one time. And when you're done, you're done. And that little change can be the discipline that you need just to move things forward. I had a uh, nutritionist years ago who put it eloquently. She said, when you go out to dinner and you've had some bread, you've had your salad and maybe a little bit of appetizers, that feeling you have in your stomach just before the meal comes, that's the feeling of you being full. Then you have so what we do and how we behave is only our habit. It's not necessarily required. 
sort of change that from nutrition to even leadership. You have a 60 minute meeting and you feel like it's okay, the best use of time, but you can really use another 30 minutes in your day. Try that meeting in 30 minutes. See what you can do to pare it down and get some time back. A little bit of discipline can help you cover the same topics in much less time. Just like Mm -hmm. the food example, just a little discipline. You have to change everything about everything. Just one thing about one thing. More connections, less meetings. Yeah. And I was going to say, if you're a leader and you can take a 60 minute meeting down to a 30 minute meeting, I can almost guarantee your people are going to love you a lot more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> almost, almost not a hundred percent, but I will say, <laughs> yeah, death by meeting. Nobody likes that. Yeah. When was the last time you had a standing meeting? I actually worked with an organization who did that on purpose. Did They said, we are going to only stand at our meetings so that our meetings are significantly shorter. Yep. And everybody stood and they're like, oh my gosh, our meetings went from an hour down to 20 minutes because, okay, now we're focused. Go. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? How are we doing that? And then every once in a while they'd have, okay, this is a big strategic planning meeting. We're going to be in here for half a day, half a day. So we'll get the table out and that kind of stuff. But that's for the most part, they did a standing meeting. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. If you've got some serious and serious things to cover and you got it and you know, it's going to take longer, that's a different meeting, but otherwise it's a standing room meeting. Um, and I always go to their office. They don't come to my office. I go to their office. Yeah. Makes a difference. Yes. Little things. It is really the little things that make a big difference. So if you are one of our people out there listening right now, whether you're on a treadmill, congratulations, keep walking, nice job. You're in the car driving to work or you're laying in bed going, I just don't want to get up today, but I'll listen to these people here and try and see, find some inspiration. We encourage you to one, do the best you can until you know better and then do better. And then get some help. Have somebody that can look at your situation from the outside and give you some honest advice. It's got to be somebody you know and trust. And if you really think about it, if you were like, well, I don't know if I have anybody that I really know and trust right now, please, by all means, reach out to one of us. You may know us a little bit. Maybe you like us. And we're hoping that you trust us because we've put these things out here for a while now. But please, by all means, reach out to us and share your thoughts, share your feelings, share how you're feeling about your physical health, mental health, your wellness, and your life in business. Because we, number one, love to hear from our listeners. And number two, we genuinely, honestly want people to be the best that they possibly can be. So we do have a phone number. It is 986-213-0621. And you can text us at that number and we will actually get back to you. Or you can reach out to us via the old school ways, carrier pigeon, smoke signals. I'm just yeah. kidding. Those things don't, we don't have those anymore. But you can email us at askus at leadershipbs.co and we will always get back to you. You can also hit us up on the socials and we'll get back to you there as well. But from us here, having our cup of coffee in our cozy little rooms, we thank you so much for being a listener. We invite you to go ahead and jump on and give us a five-star rating and share the podcast with your friends. And until next time, thank you so very much for listening. Have a great, great day. We'll talk to you next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.